Welcome to Inner Life Online. This message was preached at Inner Life Church, Tullamarine, Australia. I'm really blessed to be sharing with you this last part of this series, Unashamed, that our senior pastor Neil's been taking us through. And I'm really glad that you're with us here today to be part of that. And I trust and I know the Lord's going to bless you as we consider again what it means to be unashamed in our walk with the Lord and unashamed in sharing Jesus. Amen. And so for this uh, series, Pastor Neil defined unashamed as the definition for this series, as loving people around you whilst courageously being open about what Jesus means to you. Loving people around you while courageously being open about what Jesus means to you. I had a look in the dictionary of what the dictionary likes to call ashamed or the dictionary I looked at and it had two meanings actually for the word ashamed. It had embarrassed or guilty because of something that you've done. Ashamed because you've done something that you are ashamed of. Or reluctant to do something through fear of embarrassment or humiliation. So you're not necessarily ashamed of what you're doing but you're ashamed of the embarrassment or the humiliation. It's not that you've done something wrong but that you might be embarrassed or humiliated in front of others. And I think that's sort of the definition that we're looking at here when we're talking about being unashamed, being not ashamed. Surely Jesus was reluctant, yes, to be publicly humiliated as a criminal. He was reluctant to be treated as weak and helpless. He was publicly stripped. The Bible tells us he hung naked there on the cross. How reluctant must he have been to do that? But you know, Jesus was unashamed and he was not restrained by the humiliation or the embarrassment. You know, we might be embarrassed, but to be unashamed is to not let that embarrassment. It might be a sense of humiliation. There might be concern about what people are going to think of us, about what we're about to do. But when you're unashamed, you're not restrained by that embarrassment, by that concern about how people might react, or by the discomfort of the fact that people are going to react in a strange way. So I guess I'd say it's okay to be uncomfortable about the way they're going to react. We're being asked in this series to be unashamed, to not allow that embarrassment to restrain us, to not be restrained from loving. And that's what Jesus did for us because we needed that to save us. We needed him to be unashamed, to not be reluctant, to not hold back due to the humiliation of the cross so that we could be saved from death, from sickness, from disease, from infirmities, from poverty, from danger, the sozo, as the Greek calls it, the saving of Jesus. We needed him to be unashamed so we might be saved. I'd like to read from Isaiah 53 that talks a little bit about that shame of Jesus. And as uh, Neil mentioned, we're going to share communion together. And Isaiah 53, verse 3 to 6, and then verse 12, I'm going to pick up, though there's some great scriptures in between. But Isaiah 53, verse 3 reads, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Or we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, it describes here in verse 3 that Jesus was shamed. 
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And it says, we hid as it were our faces from him. We despised, we did not esteem him. We despised him. Mankind treated him as one who was being rejected by God, one who was to be punished. He was treated as a criminal. He was despised and rejected. He carried the shame. And he carried really the shame of our sin, the shame of what we'd done. He carried the shame that we really should have carried. For sin, Jesus carried that on our behalf. And then verse 4 tells us that he also, on that cross, carried our griefs, bore, carried our griefs. The word there for griefs is anxieties or sicknesses. And that he carried our sorrows, our anguishes, our afflictions. He carried them. And then treated, it says, we esteemed him smitten by God and afflicted. We considered him to be afflicted by God. You know, Jesus carried our griefs and our anxieties, our sicknesses in his body. My friend, he carried yours. He carried, he took on the shame so that he could do that. He was unrestrained in the face of shame. He was unashamed so that he could carry your afflictions, your sicknesses and what ails you in your body. He carried on the cross. Your sorrows, your anguish, your anxieties, he carried in his body on the cross and he was unashamed to do so, praise the Lord. He was wounded, verse 5 says, for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions or trespasses. Yes, our rebellion. He was bruised and he was beaten for our iniquities or our immorality or our evil. He carried these in his body. He was bruised for this. He was wounded for those times we've crossed the line, the times we've done what we shouldn't do. Jesus was wounded for that. He was bruised for our immorality and maybe you would even think i've done stuff that's so bad what i did was evil well jesus was bruised and beaten for that evil he was chastised it says and he was punished for our peace he was rebuked for our peace and he was whipped and he was cut for our healing my friend that's what he did for you that's what he carried for you that's what he endured for you and for me in his body Six says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Whoever's listening to me today, every one of us needed this. Every one of us are lost. Every one are like a sheep that has not followed its shepherd and gone its own way when we haven't followed the way of the Lord. No matter, you might have some great ideas and you might think you've got some great plans and ways for your life. But if you haven't followed the Lord, then you've gone your own way. We need to turn to him. Every one of us turned everyone to his own way and then the Lord laid on him the iniquity of every one of us. And then towards the end of that same chapter, the whole chapter is about what Jesus has done for us. I'd like to read verse 12, the last verse, and it says, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. This is speaking of Jesus now, God speaking of Jesus. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with transgressors. He bore the sin of many. And he made intercession for the transgressors. What's it God's going to do? He's going to divide him a portion with the great and Jesus will divide the spoil with the strong. Jesus divides the spoils of this victory that he's won. He's won this victory on the cross and he carried this shame so that he could then bring us not shame. He's not asking us to bear shame with him. You know, there are some out of their desire, to, I guess, to please God. They spend their Easter uh, beating themselves, whipping themselves, punishing themselves. Some go on fast not really to get closer to God, but to somehow join Jesus in his suffering. You know, he doesn't actually ask us to join him in his suffering. He suffered this. He doesn't ask us to join him in his shame. 
He's taken this shame that we wouldn't have to bear it. He's taken this shame of our sins so that we would be free from it, but rather the opposite, so he could divide with us the spoils of this victory, the victory, the prosperity that now can be ours, my friend, that now can be yours. Jesus did this for you. Matthew talks about it in the, the book of Matthew. It talks about it. Matthew chapter 8. And it says that when the evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and he healed all who were sick. That's Matthew 8, 16. Then verse 17, Matthew 8, 17 says, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He carried them in his body. You know, we're going to take the communion and I'd encourage you to pick up your communion and join with me and, and take this bread or take whatever you have in bread or biscuit to re represent the body of Jesus. And Jesus took it on the night and, and he said, this is my body broken for you. I would say to you, friend, Jesus says to you, put your name in there, this is my body broken for you. He carried in his body the shame of our sicknesses, our diseases, our infirmities. You know what that means? The weaknesses of our body, the things that we've done wrong. He carried them in his body. He says that to you. Behind the camera over there is Peter and James. He says, Peter, I carried this. I carried you. This is my body broken for you. This is in the body that I carried your body in. I carried your infirmities, James. I carried your sins, James. I carried whatever you did wrong in your body, in this body. And it's given for you. I give it for you. My friend, Jesus gave his body for you. Unashamed. He gave his body for you to carry it. I invite you, take this and eat this and remember and claim that in his body he carried what's ailing you, what's bothering you. Well, in his body he carried it, that it could be carried away from your body. Let's eat together. And then it says on the night he was betrayed, he took the, the cup, the juice, the fruit of the vine that was in front of him, the wine, and he said, this is now my blood that I shed for you. This is my blood shed for you, for the remission of your sins, that your sins would be completely removed, remitted, gone, that I could make you holy, that I could restore you back into full relationship with God. He says, this is my blood shed for you. And I tell you again, friend, put your name in there. Jesus says, this is my blood shed for you, James. This is my blood shed for you, Peter. This is my blood shed for you. And he, and he shed his blood in place of our blood. He died in our place. Amen. Let's take and remember him. My body broken for you, take it in remembrance of me. The new covenant in my blood for the remission of your sins, drink it in remembrance of me. And so now Jesus has done that for us. And you know what he asks us is to not be ashamed. He asks us now to not be restrained by any embarrassment or humiliation of belonging to him or speaking for him or loving like him or being like him. As we needed him to bear the shame, and be unrestrained in doing this for us. Jesus now asks us to do the same for him, that others might know him. That what I've said, what we've remembered in taking this communion is this morning, as I've taken this communion, I've said, Lord, here, take my body again. I claim your body for my body, for ailments in my body, for any sins of the past and amazingly of the future. You know what? Anything you might even do wrong in the future, Jesus says to you in this communion, 
this is my body that carries the punishment for even the things that you haven't done. Carry, breaks the power of the sins that you even haven't done yet. It's incredible what the Lord has done for us. And he wants us and he needs us to show that and pass that on and live that life out in front of other people. And that's going to take us to be unashamed of how people are going to react to that or how they're going to feel about that or how they're going to respond to that. You know, Matthew 28 and Matthew 16, Jesus, both times Jesus is quoted in front of the disciples telling them to go, to go into all the world. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He tells them to go. And then again, in Mark, we get really the, the, the same story as Mark tells it. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who does not believe will be condemned. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, that go can be interpreted as you go, as you journey, as you traverse, as I looked up the meaning of that go. In your going, in your going, preach the gospel. In your going, be unashamed. In your going, don't let the embarrassment or humiliation restrain you. We're definitely not the definition A or the first definition I gave. We're not worried about the shame of what we've done wrong. That's been removed. We don't need to be ashamed of our past. We don't need to be ashamed of our story or our testimony. We don't need to be ashamed of where we've come from to say, who am I to talk about the goodness of God when I've done this? Praise God, that shame has definitely been removed. If you have shame for your past, if you're restrained by things you've done in the past to feel worthy to share or love like Jesus, you need to find Christ. You, don't, you haven't yet understood the gospel. You don't know the good news of Jesus. But it can, of course, be a little bit embarrassing or humiliating as humans to have people re reject us or not respond as we would hope to this message. But the Lord asks us to be unrestrained, to be unashamed in us, in our delivering this message, in our, our spreading the message, amen, to go into what? Our areas of influence, to go into the world. As you go, as you go to work, as you go through business, as you go through school, as you go through sport, as you go shopping, as you're involved in government or leadership, as you do life, as you go through this life, preach the gospel. Some of us think, well, that was a message for the preachers. That was a message for the missionaries. That was the message for those that I give money to. So they will go. And I will do this. That was for the evangelistic team that goes into the street. Actually, it's to all of us. It's to everyone who's a disciple of Jesus or a follower of Christ. As you go through life, preach the gospel. Live the gospel. Share the gospel. Do this work and be unashamed. Yes, unrestrained in living and speaking and loving out the gospel. Don't let embarrassment restrain that holy power, that love of God that now lives in us. Yes, be ready to give. Sometimes it can be embarrassing when people find out what we give to. But be ready to give, be ready to pray, be ready to care, be ready to love, be ready to speak. You know, sometimes as our lead pastors encourage us even just to smile. Be ready even just to smile. Where someone finally says, what are you smiling about? I'm recording this message during lockdown. You might go pick up a coffee. Someone says, what are you smiling about? Everyone's talking about how annoyed we are. Maybe we just need to determine that we're going to show the love and joy that lives inside of us regardless of our limited movement. Paul sat at the bottom of a prison and, and sang with joy choruses and hymns at the, at the 
bottom of a dungeon, probably like sitting in the toilet down the bottom of that dungeon. Yet he praised God and he sang choruses and he brought joy. And of course, the prison doors opened and people found Christ. Let's just even smile through it all. Let's take that and be an influence as we go. I've just had a visit to New Zealand and while I was there, I had the privilege of going to the capital city there, Wellington, and joining a prayer time in the parliament of the, the National Parliament of New Zealand. I mean, here I was an Aussie, but I was invited to come. I said, look, please come. Our pastor there, Adam, was going and uh, one of the organisers said, come with him. We just want people to come and pray. You're an Aussie, doesn't matter. One man said, there's an Anzac connection. Let's go and pray. And so um, I did and I was just so moved about people coming together unashamed in the foyer of the National Parliament that we were just on the other side of the, the chamber where they meet and uh, we were praying and singing and, and calling on the name of Jesus. And it wasn't even about the government of the day. It wasn't about politics. It wasn't about who we're after. It wasn't about right or wrong. It was about calling on Jesus. It was about being an unashamed witness for the fact that this nation, that New Zealand, and actually a lot of the talk was New Zealand and the nations of the world, which was a real blessing to me, would be affected for the kingdom of God and for Jesus. You know, one quote was that, that uh, quote from the scripture, when my people pray and humble themselves, I'll heal their land. And one of the leaders of the group said, that verse begins with when my people, it starts with us. You know, so often we want to see change happen financially. We want to see change happen politically. But you know where the change happens is when my people are unashamed and pray. Maybe we need to get praying. Maybe we need to get walking our communities. You might say, you know, I'm just not so good at talking. Well, maybe walk the streets and pray. Get with some friends and walk the streets and pray. Let's be unashamed. Let's make a difference, yes, in, in the communities. John 17, Jesus talks about this and the fact that he's left us here really for this very purpose, for this very purpose. And John 17 verse 15, it's a great chapter, John 17, to take a few verses out of it. It almost doesn't do justice to this wonderful prayer of Jesus. But 15, when he's talking to the Father, Jesus says to the Father, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, talking about the disciples. He's talking about you and me. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I don't pray this for them alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that's you and me. Jesus prays for you and me that God would keep us in the world, not even take us out of the world, but keep us in the world and use us in the world, yes? That the world might know that he has sent us, hallelujah, that we might live in that truth, that that truth might come out of us. That's what the Lord prays for us. He sends us into the world. How can I be more involved in the world? That's a good question, isn't it? Not how can I just get through this world? Some of us just think I'm just trying to get through this so I can get to heaven on the other side. He didn't leave us here just to get through it. If you really don't want to be here, maybe we go now. He would just take us to heaven. Why has he left us here to get through this? He's left us here because he wants us to be his light in this world and he wants us to be unrestrained by the pressure this world puts on us or by the shame that might come in our direction, the embarrassment that it might be and to, and to love and to give, and to smile, and to speak, and to be Jesus. Let that life of Jesus flow out of us to the world, yes? How to get involved in the community. A good friend of mine, Rick Rano, and I years ago got involved with the Rotary Club 
until I was traveling too much to be committed. We, we got involved in a local Rotary Club that we might just get known in our community. Another good friend of mine, Sonia Mitchell, she goes, has gone on school councils in the past. I remember having trouble at a school or not liking what was happening at a school when my children were little and speaking and complaining and writing letters of complaint. But then Sonia went and got on the council at the school where she was that she might be an influence for Jesus and talk about the Lord on that school council. Get involved, yes, in the workplace. There's a brother in our church, Tony, who hasn't known the Lord all that long, but he has a business and he has employees and he got all of them involved in raising funds for the needy overseas. What a witness, what a way to introduce your workers to this Jesus, this influence of Christ on your life, to shine that light and to share it with them. There are definitely ways we can go out and be part of this community, from national prayer days or national prayer events to just getting involved in something locally, the school, the club, the sport. Our purpose as a ministry and as a church, and I believe God's purpose actually for everyone that knows him, is to lead people into the fulfilling life of being restored to the holy image of God, to be free to love and to live like Jesus Christ. That's what we believe we're here to do. That's what really we believe every Christian has been left here to do, to lead others to this life of Christ. The reason you're not in heaven now, my friend, is that you might, through your life, through your light, again, not always just through your heavy preaching on the street, but through your life, through your care, through your love, just through your showing compassion to somebody, through your giving, through your smile, you might show that love of God, that life of God, that you might be used to introduce people to this Jesus that unashamedly hung on the cross on their behalf, that they might have life, that what we shared in the communion might be their experience. The truth is Jesus' body was broken for your neighbour. Jesus' body was broken for the prime minister of your country. Jesus' blood was shed for that person that annoys you the most, for that person who holds views that are opposite to yours and it really makes you, gets under your skin. If you're left or right, the one of the opposite views of life, that person Jesus died for. That person Jesus longs to lay hold of them and to know them and to bring them into relationship with the Father. And he left you and me here, that that might be that person's experience, yes? To live the truth that sets free. You know, not just know the theology, but to actually live the life that will set people free. People knowing maybe that you pray. Maybe just let it be known that it worked that you pray for sickness and you believe in prayer. You'd be surprised the people that will come and speak to you. The people that might even have a bit of a giggle about it, but will come to you later when they need you to pray. Or that you um, pray for trouble or that you pray for people's finances. I remember as a young, speaking to the teenagers, I remember a time in high school and speaking up for Jesus. And, and two of the people that probably made me the most embarrassed, and I was embarrassed, they made sure that I was humiliated, and they did humiliate me as I spoke for Jesus. After school now, graduated from high school, I'm 19 or 20 at a Christian concert, and at the same concert, separately, I met both of them. They had both come to Christ. And they both came and said to me, walked up to me to said, I'm so glad I can see you because since I found Jesus, I thought about all those times that I gave you a hard time. And I, when I heard about the Lord, I thought this is what Peter Thomas was used to be talking about. You know, you'd be part of your smile, your witness, your humiliating moment might even be part of a building block, part of a process that brings that person to Christ. You just don't know. So hang in there, even all those young people at school. That's like one of the hardest places, Yes. That as we live in the freedom that Jesus endured the shame to bring to us, that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to live in that freedom and share that freedom with others. 
But of course, first of all, you need to know that freedom. You need to know that freedom yourself. You might be watching me and been sitting in church for years. You might be watching me and be a member of, of an inner life church. Do you know that freedom? Do you know how to bring, can you bring people into this relationship with Jesus? That relationship needs to be happening with you first. It needs to be something that flows out of you. Jesus said that out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. Do you feel it flowing or are you just angry? Are you just hurt? Are you overwhelmed by your current circumstances? And they could be really terrible circumstances and you might feel justified to feel overwhelmed by them. But the reality is Jesus said, no, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And if anything, I think he thought that when we're in our worst time, we'll be the greatest witness that we're in our hardest time, that, that we'll be the least ashamed, I guess, that life will flow out of us and people will be touched by the life in us even when we're going through this hard time. Have the hard times, have the difficult times shut down? I know I've let that happen in my life at times. The pressure, the heaviness has caused you to almost shut down that light shining and that river flowing. That needs to be happening in our life. An overflow. See, this is about an overflow of joy and love the, and convictions at times, yeah? Joy flows out of us, love flows out of us. Sometimes convictions flow out of us. We might say some hard truths, but they're received because they come from someone who's speaking from a conviction, from an experience. Strength flows out of us, confidence flowing out of us because of this relationship that we have with Jesus. You know, when you really love someone, it's not hard to share about that person. You ask my wife about our grandchildren, she, she'll, she'll go off and running. You want to talk about yours? Hers are probably better. So we, out of us just flows this talk of our children and of our grandchildren, of our partners at times. We just, we just want to talk about them. When you love someone, you want to talk about them. When someone's full of excitement about a particular sports hero or a, a person, they, they talk a lot about that person. When the little boys love their football hero, they talk about him. They want to be like him. They're unashamed to wear his number on their back and say they belong to him and run around the hallway saying, I'm this person, I'm Dustin Martin or whoever it might be. I'm this, I'm this famous sports person. They're unashamed to make that connection with that person. It just flows out of them. Well, that's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus is asking of us. He's asking us to have such a relationship with him that this flows out of us. It's not even about hard work to go now and be a witness for Jesus. I, don't, I, I think it's, Jesus thinks it's hard work. It'd be like me saying to my wife, gee, it's hard work to tell people that I'm married to you. Or tell our kids, truly it's hard work to admit that you're my son or my daughter and to talk about you. I find it so hard to talk about you. It's so embarrassing to talk about you. I wish I didn't have to, but I'm a dad, I have to do it. That's not what this is supposed to be for us. It's supposed to be an overflow of this relationship that we have with Jesus. When I talk like that, if that, if that convicts you this morning because you don't know that relationship, then I'm going to close this message by inviting you to pray a prayer with me and invite that life of Jesus into you. Maybe you've experienced that before and maybe you need to pray that prayer with me this morning because that's something that's truly dried up in your life. Well, what Pastor Neil's calling us to is an unashamed life that's a result of a relationship, not a, not a result of just hard work. Yeah, sometimes we've got to make time to share, absolutely, make time to go witness, maybe even make time to spend some time. We might need to be strategic in how we do this, but it should be flowing out of us, not we feel like we're punishing ourselves by making ourselves face up to this embarrassment. It might be difficult at times, and of course, don't be beating yourself up because it's a little bit awkward wondering what reaction you're going to get. But it flows out of us because we love this Jesus, because he's so real to us and we can't help but talk about him and just be open about him and be open that we're in relationship with him. And of course, if people are going to 
be hard on that and, and, and nasty towards that, well, you know, we're not, we're not talking about being slapped out. The Bible talks about don't put pearls before the pigs, but still that life's going to flow out of us. We're still going to smile. We're still going to be kind. We're still going to be forgiving towards that person. That life is going to be a continued witness flowing out of us. This series is about encouraging us to let that life flow out of us, but it's not able to flow if we don't really know him. And so I'm just going to close this message off with a prayer and I'm going to invite you to pray with me to ask the Lord to reveal himself to you and to say to him that you want to know him, to give your heart to him, to commit to that offer of his body and his blood in your place that you might know that life. And maybe you've known that life in the past. Maybe you're listening to me and you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you're 25, 30 year Christian. I don't know what's happening, been happening in your life. Maybe you're in a season where that flow has dried up and really any effort to talk about Jesus is almost a personal, harsh discipline on yourself. That's not what the Lord wants. He wants your relationship with him to be so vibrant that he's just flowing out of you. And this is something you desire to do. And if it means a little pushing when you're awkward, you want to push when you're awkward because you want to talk about him and you want others to know him and you want his will in that others meet him because that's his desire, yes? And that's the purpose that we believe we're here. So if you don't know this life in Christ, if it's not flowing through you, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me as I pray. I'm going to close my eyes and finish off this message with this prayer. Why don't you join me? And I'm going to ask you, repeat these words after me and make maybe a fresh, unashamed step. I don't know who's sitting with you. I don't, as I said, how long you've been a Christian or maybe who's around you watching this message. I'm going to ask you to put aside that shame. Don't let the embarrassment of praying with me hold you back from praying this prayer with me whether you may be viewing this or whoever you may be viewing this with. Let's pray together. And you repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for carrying the shame of the cross. Thank you for carrying the shame of being naked, the shame of being treated like a criminal, the shame of putting aside your strength and being treated as if you were weak, but really you were strong. I thank you, Lord, for all you carried for me, I thank you for carrying in your body, my body and its weaknesses and its sicknesses and its failings and its sins and its trespasses. I thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood and giving your life that I might have life, for you dying that I would not die. I thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for my life. And I ask you, Lord, fill me with the joy of your life. Fill me with the joy of a relationship with you. Fill me with your love that, like you said, out of my belly will flow rivers of living water, the life of Jesus and the love of Jesus that lives in me. I give you my life. I surrender to you. Fill me, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, you can find us at innerlife.org.au.